0: Pastor Xavier Reese and an answer for those who question God.
1: People charge God with some of the most foolish things in their ignorance, that God has put them in that miserable condition. Why did God call them to a life of misery? Why has God been so unfair in their circumstances, when yet they have put themselves in that circumstance? Why, if there's a God, why are their children blind and born with deformities and, and the murder and the violence? Well, listen, what we see around is not what God intended. This is what happened as the fall.
0: Welcome to Simple Truths, the daily half-hour study of God's Word with Xavier Reese, Senior Pastor of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California. How many times have you heard, when the going gets tough, the tough get going, or no pain, no gain? Well, there is some truth to these colloquialisms, especially when it comes to exercising your spiritual muscles, your faith. Today, Pastor Xavier takes us back to the book of Isaiah for a study called The Secret Strength. Let's join him in Chapter 40 for today's lesson.
1: Have you ever met a person who's attempting to get into physical condition? And you see them at the gym and they look at the weight and they talk and, you know, and when they work out, they're not really into it or whatever it is, or on whatever level. And there's always some kind of excuse um, for their inconsistency or their, their, their lack of really pressing to really make it count. Sometimes they well, you know, I've just been too busy lately, or, you know, the excuses change, and, well, you know, genetically, you know, I've got my mom's disposition, my father's, and this and that, and, I mean, whatever it may be. And at first, you kind of, oh, oh, wow, you know, but after a while, you know, it's kind of like a one-string guitar, you know, and, and you catch on. Sooner or later, you come to the conclusion that this guy's just a wimp. He's not serious about getting strong. He's not serious about what he's doing. And he's pointing to everything and everyone for the lack of his progress, which is to become stronger. This is kind of the picture of the people of God. As Isaiah the prophet addresses them for blaming God for their condition and their ungodliness exposing their lack of trust in Jehovah for their strength. These are the people of God that he's addressing, not the nonbeliever again. Let me read the passage from verse 27 to 31 and we'll give you the three points. He says, Why do you say, O Jacob, and speak, O Israel, My way is hidden from the Lord, and my just claim is passed over by my God? Have you not known? Have you not heard? The everlasting God, the Lord, the creator of the ends of the earth, neither faints nor is weary. His understanding is unsearchable. He gives power to the weak and to those who have no might. He increases strength. Even the youth shall fail and be weary, and the young men shall utterly fail. But those who wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall... Walk and not faint. The prophet Isaiah confronts the people of God with their justification and excuses. He is straightforward. Today, Christians are in a dangerous place. Rather than being confronted with what's going on, they get offended. The church is characterized by Christians who are too thin skin and too thick skull. That's a bad combination today. Such is the picture here in Isaiah. He exposes their lack of trust in God for strength and is marked by these three things. First, the proclamation of Israel's accusations against God, verse 27. Secondly, the declaration of God that Israel think through the accusations in verse 28. And then, thirdly, the revelation of God for strength, verse 29 through 31. Notice first the proclamation of Israel's accusations against God. This is where he begins. He confronts something we don't like, necessary, and it's inevitable in the life of the believer. Because we are imperfect and by nature, we're sluggards. (laughs) We justify, we excuse, we flounder. Very few people are disciplined. Most of us are regimented. Regimentation, you guys were in the service. You look pretty, you're nice, you're in order, you march, you obey, you salute, because you don't want to get in trouble. Discipline, let's see in the weekend. No discipline. Regimentation. The man who's disciplined doesn't need to be regimented. Comes from within. There's a difference. Notice first, God questions the nation about what they say in their speech against Jehovah. Jehovah addresses the nation by the name Jacob, notice that. Jacob was the son of Isaac, as you know, and uh, Jacob was a twin to Esau, his brother. Now, God had declared that there were two nations in the womb, and the one would be stronger than the other. Speaking of Jacob, it was God who was gonna make him strong. Esau, the other nation, would be Edom. Jacob would be Israel. Now remember that Jacob means heel catcher, surplanner, because he came forth from the womb holding his brother's heel. So they named him heel catcher. So he became known not just for that little thing, but it it, it spoke of his character and nature as a natural man. He was a man who was full of trickery, schemes, and conniving, even to have his brother Esau to sell him his birthright for a pot of lentils. (laughs) Now, remember, he was the son of his mother, Rebecca. She was quite a gal, too. And she was always trying to figure out God and help out God. And through her counsel, he deceived his blind father to give him the blessing, as you know. She said, the the curse be upon me, my son. You you know, just do as I tell you. And then she says, go away before your brother kills you. It'll be a few days till his anger subsided. And then she never saw him. 20 years went by, she died. We will never know how God was going to fulfill the blessing to Jacob because he trusted the arm of his mother's flesh and his own. Now, there are some Christians who will never know how God would do certain things because they take it on their own. Let me tell you one thing. When you do it on your own, you do it the hard way. <laughs> okay? God's way is he gets a crane, one scoop, holds done. Your way is you're out there for eight hours digging. You've gone six inches. <laughs> Jacob meant that the nation was still trusting in their own strength and not God. When he was just Jacob. Now, Jehovah addresses the nation also by the name of Israel. Notice that. Israel was the name of, that God had given to Jacob as he was returning from the university of Uncle Laban <laughs> to his father's house by the direction of God. And the account was at night before Esau, his brother, was going to come and, 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 and confront him. And um, Esau had sworn that he was going to kill him. So, you know, that's still in, in Jacob's mind. But God has directed him to come back. God had been with Jacob. He took him away. He brought him back. He had allowed him to taste some of his own medicine. (laughs) And now as he comes back, things don't look like God's in it. But God has spoken to him. He left by God's direction. In fact, the night before Esau came, Jacob prayed to God for deliverance. Acknowledging his own fear of his brother Esau and taking his wives and his children and his servants, he crossed the four Jabbok for seclusion and safety in Genesis 32. Now, there's nothing wrong with being practical. We want to use common sense and wisdom. But Jacob goes beyond that as we see his life. God had told him to come back. God had confirmed it through the angels that appeared to him there at the camp. In fact, he called it uh, Mahanaim, meaning two camps. But still, Esau's coming. And so in our lives, God speaks to us and says, I'm going to do this. And I start walking, but you know, this problem's still here. And this problem's still here. That night, Jacob, as he crossed, a man wrestled with him till the daybreak in Genesis 32. When the man saw that he did not prevail against Jacob, he touched the socket of his hip and caused it to come out of joint. The man told Jacob to let him go, but Jacob refused. He says, I will not let you go unless you bless me. The man asked, what is your name? He said, Jacob. He'll catch her. Flim flam man. (laughs) Conniver. Sneaky dog. (laughs) He says, your name shall no longer be called Jacob, but Israel. For you have struggled with God and with man and have prevailed. Now, Israel means prince with God or governed by God. God was saying, listen, aren't you tired of your flesh? Aren't you tired of doing things your own way, even when I'm leading you? Don't you want to be governed by God? How much is enough? Now, it would appear from the Genesis record that Jacob did prevail. But we have to go to Hosea to get the commentary on that passage. And if you were with us in our study of Hosea, you remember in Hosea 12, 3 through 5, that Hosea provides that commentary of the event telling us that Jacob's prevailing was not against God, but in securing the help of God as his strength and trust for his safety that God would govern over him. So here's the prevailing that is meant. Jacob prevailed... Because he finally came to the end of himself. And the symbolic touch of God was the hip. When Jacob crossed the next morning, he didn't come back strong. His brother's coming. He walks out hobbling. How are you going to run from your brother, Jacob? You're going to have to trust me now, boy. Oh, man. Has God touched the hollow of your thigh yet? So much he loves you. The nation was a mixture of those who were still trusting in themselves and other things. And there were those who were governed by God. They were the exception, the remnant that Isaiah has spoken about. The church is always like that. The people of God are always like that. Keep that in mind that this context is the people of God, not the heathen. Jacob appears 40 times in Isaiah, two thirds of them occur between chapter 40 and chapter 66. He was in exile. Here's the connection. The context is God's going to bring them back from Babylon. He says, trust me. Don't try to figure me out. Jacob was in exile for 20 years. Did I not bring him back? Did Esau kill him? Obey. Notice, secondly... God addresses people with two accusations they had stated against Jehovah. The first charge being, My way is hidden from the Lord. The charge was that God was not aware of their condition. Well, I don't know what's wrong with God. He doesn't pay attention to me. He doesn't know what's going on. And a lot of times our prayers are like, Oh, Lord, you know that, you know, at three o'clock, like if God needs information. <laughs> Prayer is to align yourself with the will of God, the direction of God, not to give him information. God doesn't need the internet. The charge was of being unfair. The charge was of being less than God. He's ignorant of what's going on. The second charge being, and my claim is passed over by my God. My just claim. The charge was of being indifferent, ignoring their just claim. We're right. We've brought a legitimate claim and God just is indifferent it's a charge of being uncompassionate it's a charge of being unfaithful now who's saying this the people of God this goes on all the time in the church in our lives people we have to recognize this I don't know why God you know let me marry this creep I mean you know why didn't he tell me what is isn't that I don't know why God allowed this to happen Why? I, you know. listen the majority of the time we're reaping the what we sow God gives us yellow lights, blinking red lights. He puts holes in front of us. But man, we are stubborn. We are determined. We are good at turning around the warnings of God to be the will of God. And then we cry, why me? I can see God going, I don't know, don't look at me. Note that both false charges are in a question form. Let me give you the intonation. The prophet is addressing them. He says, why do you say, O Jacob, and speak, O Israel? My way is hidden from the Lord, and my just claim is passed over my God? In other words, it's rhetorical. That's dumb. That's stupid. It's implying the ludicrousity of the charges. In other words, it is an impossibility for these charges to be true against God. The Lord implying from this point the erroneous perception of man regarding the activities of God and His person by personal circumstances and situations. Too often, people have the right in the situation. They're so caught up with it. They're not seeking God. They're trying to figure out how to get out of this, how to do this, how to do that. Why, 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 why? The wise of God are, 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 is the sewer that people drown in. Why did God allow it? But, well, hang on, be patient. The, the, the story's not over. You haven't read the last chapter. And the other wise is why did God, and that's charging God foolishly? Today, our society is a classic example of this phenomenon blaming others for everything. You know, we're all dysfunctional, right? We're all just not responsible. It's just—it's our parents, you know. So my parent drank, so therefore I'm a genetic alcoholic, and you know, and and this first disease that has ever been bottled and sold and taxed and profited from. But nevertheless, and you know, it's just bad teachers I had. You know, they—they they spanked me one time, and that just really bruised me and um, affected me, and never been the same. And so this runs in every sort of society for the last 15 years, so we've got a messed up society that's not productive and costs us millions and trillions of dollars every month because nobody needs to be responsible. The possibility of Christians being Jacob's or Israel's is a choice. You cannot cop out. The New Testament teaches us that Though a person is born again, they still have sin nature. 1 John 1.8. If we say we have no sin and the word sin is sin nature, we deceive ourselves. The truth is not in us. Even though I'm born again, you're born again, you still have sin nature until the day you die. Now you have a choice whether you're going to yield to it or not. It is possible for you to be born again. And the New Testament tells us that you can still live up by your flesh and for your flesh. And you're called a carnal Christian. In First Corinthians 3, 1 through 3. Now, how long can you be like that? I don't know. I certainly don't want to be there. How long can you walk on a lake that's barely frozen? How far out can you walk? Well, until you hear the cracking. You want to take a chance? Go for it. I want to walk on solid ice. Something's going to hold me. In fact, the New Testament exhorts us as believers to die to the flesh daily Romans 6.6 6 and 6.11 Not make provisions of the flesh To fulfill the lust thereof But to walk in the spirit Romans 7.6 So if he tells us that And commands us Then he has That means we have the ability to do so We can't say Well I can't All you can say as a Christian Is I won't A Christian can never say I cannot A Christian can only say I will not Put that in your head Give that to carnal Christians and sloppy agape preaching. I might not be uncompassionate? I'm all for compassion. I'm all for grace. I got saved that way. But who wants to play ball with somebody who really doesn't want to play? Who wants to run a, a race with someone on their team who really doesn't want to run? It's real simple, Guys people charge God with some of the most foolish things in their ignorance that God has put them in that miserable condition why did God call them to a life of misery why has God been so unfair in their circumstances when yet they have put themselves in that circumstance why if there's a God why are their children blind and born with deformities and and the murder and the violence well listen what we see around is not what God intended this is the result of man's fall and sin and it's working itself out and God, by his mercy, intervenes at different times. But this is the result of the fall. This is not what God intended. This is what happened as the fall. Satan is the God of this world. But we have a choice now who we're going to serve, how we're going to live. We didn't before. God will never allow you to be tested more than you're able. But with every testing, show you the way of escape. First Corinthians 10, 13. You are busted. You have no excuse for your flesh, nor I your pastor. These were the proclamations of Israel's accusations against God. They still go on today in the church, people. Do you know that? They still go on. Notice, secondly, here, verse 28. The declaration of God that Israel think through the accusations. First, Jehovah appeals to the nation's past history. Very important. First, have you not known They were the people of God. They had received the commandments of God. They had seen God work on their behalf. They had the personal revelation of God and His Word. So God is appealing here to their intellect, the reason, the rational process of the mind. God wants you to use your mind. He just doesn't want you to depend upon it. Notice secondly... Have you not heard? The people of Isaiah's day had heard about the Exodus story over and over again. How God delivered them. They had heard about the divide of the Red Sea, the Jordan and flood season. They had heard about the destruction of all the inhabitants of the land. How they came across, took Jericho and then Ai and the problem with Achan and everything else. Everything. They knew their history. They had heard. Our problem today in our nation is... We have divorced ourselves from our past history. And whenever you divorce yourself from your past history of God, what you know and what you have heard, you are in deep, deep trouble because then you will start rewriting your own theology. What's convenient for you. They yeah, had heard of David. How God took him from the sheephole and made him a godly man and delivered from his enemies. You've heard all what God has done in the past for others. You came to God. You know what he's done for you. You've been taught. You've learned. You know. Notice, secondly, Jehovah appeals to his divine attributes. He calls himself the everlasting God, the Lord, identifying the attributes of being eternal. The thought that most people have when they think of eternal is an endless quantity of time. But in reality, eternal has to do with a quality of time, more than a quantity, so that though time is involved, the emphasis is on quality. Jesus says, I will give to you eternal life. Automatically we think, life that never ends. That's not what he's talking about. That's its primary meaning. He says, I'm going to give you God-like life to live in this rotten, dirty world a quality of life. You're gonna live a life far superior in quality than what you used to live. And you know what, too? That life is forever and ever, secondly. Primarily, it's a quality of life. A pupil in the Institute of the, for the Dumb in Paris defined the term this way. It is duration without beginning or end, existence without bounds or dimensions, present without past or future. His eternity is youth without infancy or old age, life without birth or death, today without yesterday or tomorrow. That's good. It's a quality of life.
0: Pastor Xavier Reese and the far-reaching arm of salvation and the depth of the hope of the gospel. There's so much more to this study coming up next time. Now, if your schedule won't permit you to tune in, though, you can pick up a copy of this message. The title to ask for is The Secret Strength. It's available on CD for only $4. And make sure you pass it on to someone in your church or Bible study. And Once again, the title to ask for is The Secret Strength. Or simply mention today's date. You can request your copy by writing Simple Truths, 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. Or to make your request by phone, call 800-926-1485. Again, that's 800-926-1485. Or the address once again is Simple Truths, 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. And thanks for mentioning the call letters of this station when you get in touch. This helps us track the effectiveness of this ministry in your area. What happens when you let the weight of the world drag you down? Is there another way? That's coming up on the next edition of Simple Truths with Pastor Xavier Reese. Simple Truths with Pastor Xavier Reese, a daily half hour broadcast, is a radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California. www.calvarychapelpasadena.com